intersex. What do you think you would do if you found out during puberty that you weren't exactly male or female? Or if you found out that doctors surgically altered your body when you were born and your parents hid it from you until you were 18? I'm Anthony Padilla and I spent a day with intersex people to find out. Hello, Hayden. Hey. Hello, Maria. Hi. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. You are intersex. Correct. <laughs> Do you start a lot of conversations <laughs> like that? I did used to get in my younger years, are you a boy or a girl? And that uh, was the intro before. What is intersex? An intersex individual is a person born with sex characteristics that differ from the typical definitions of what it means to be male or female. Oftentimes, um, intersex individuals can have uh, what they call ambiguous genitalia. So mm. it's not, it doesn't fit that um, binary definition of like what a penises and what a vagina is. My whole life I've been taught this is what a penis looks like, this is what a vagina looks like, but when I was looking up intersex, it was like, oh, there's a spectrum. It's like yeah. a whole anamorphs transition from <laughs> penis to vagina. I haven't quite heard it as an anamorph, but you know, I suppose <laughs> it does kind of work. If you really think about it, you know, every penis that I'm sure you've seen looks different. You know, every vagina that you've seen looks different. Every nose every that nose. I've seen looks different. Every nose, every, every eye eyebrow. color, eyebrow, why not? your genitalia as well, your right. your chromosomes, your, your you know, hormones. It's not a sexuality, it's not a gender identity, it's um, a variances of sex. <laughs> I'll try to simplify it as much as I, I can. You're building a person and at this point, so one to six weeks, we all look alike. We're gonna have in our downstairs area <laughs> what's called labial scrotal folds, which mm -hmm. like the name suggests, it could become either the labia or the scrotum. Mm -hmm. You have ural general sinuses, which will become the vagina or elongate to an urethra. Mm -hmm. And you have a general turbicle, which will be the penis or the clitoris. Mm -hmm. In the Y chromosome, it's going to say like, hey, internally, Let's create like proteins that will build up, like differentiate your gonads. Mm. So the gonads, like what are gonads? It's either uh, testes, like testicle, your balls. <laughs> oh, thank you. Or, now I get it. Yeah, or, uh, or ovaries. Once you have your testes, they will have two different cells that will create hormones. Testosterone will start to masculinize the downstairs region. Mm. But what about the inside now, right? Internally, we still have that thing that looks like the, the same. So those parts will recede, but those were already inside your body. So for example, like, okay, you would have had a uterus if that part developed too. Mm -hmm. But now since it receded because you had those hormones inside, even like your body, like even though like completely male, you have what's called like a prostatic utricle, which is just a fancy name for small little pocket uterus. Like that's what would- have a pocket uterus? You have a pocket uterus. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. A, a little, little bit of one. A little bit of one too. <laughs> okay. So yeah, same with women. Women have what's called like a, like a, the female prostate or mm. a skein's gland. It's just much smaller. And that's like the, the secret to why some women could squirt and some others can't. <laughs> Unlocking Good secrets here. Good to know. Good to know. Now I know. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people know now. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the part of that. When you understand that part, 
you understand how intersex variations happen too. Say you have the, the proteins. What if you have like the building blocks and you're like, oh man, I ran out of like those blocks. Mm. I don't have enough to build the basement downstairs area. Are you comfortable talking about how you deviate? What, how, why you are considered intersex? Well, I did not have those bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Which bricks? Not enough bricks. <laughs> Which bricks? <laughs> Specifically, there's a lot of bricks that happen. I have no gonads at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's called like uh, gonadal agenesis. My um, specific variation of intersex, which is uh, androgen insensitivity syndrome. So androgens, if you remember, are your sex hormones. Uh. So my body doesn't react to testosterone or estrogen. Because my body didn't respond to those sex hormones in the womb, none of my internal sex reproductive organs formed. So no um, fallopian tubes, no eggs, no um, uterus. What are the other things called? The <laughs> things on the end? The, the, the tube stuff. The, yeah, yeah, you know, right? You know it. Right? Yeah, the egg drop stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> As a teenager, I just sort of was like, I felt different. Most women get their periods when they're 12, 13. I didn't. It's little things, but like, you know, girls being like, can I borrow a tampon? Mm -hmm. You don't have a tampon. And then that's like, you feel weird about that. All these little things that like make girlhood, becoming a woman, a thing you're kind of missing out on. I was assigned female at birth because that's what I appeared at birth to. Mm. And it wasn't until puberty where stuff wasn't happening in the typical female way that they didn't, you know, it didn't like click. I didn't go through like a normal puberty, so. What did that look like? So you're like 12, Very childlike. <laughs> so around 12, 13, people usually start going through puberty and you're like, someday it'll happen, but I don't know when. Yeah, pretty much. Like even at 18, I looked like a child and my voice was very like, I, I don't know, picture like you put like a squirrel through a blender. Right back. <laughs> <laughs> That's like very high-pitched voice. Do you identify as male? I identify as a guy, but I know I'm not male. I just say like, you know, intersex guy. <laughs> intersex guy? I always say my pronouns are like anything but she. So yeah, you could put he, they, <laughs> like I don't care. Just don't call me she and we're fine. I use she, they pronouns. I continue to use she because I, you know, people will perceive me and see me as a, a, as a, as a feminine, a more feminine presenting person. I also use they, them pronouns because I feel like truly connected to um, my non-binary body. I've heard people say intersexual. Like, is that an accurate term? Yeah, there are many different uh, like ways to say it. Um, so it could be you could be like an intersex person. You could be intersex, an intersexual. Some people before use the term hermaphrodite. What is hermaphrodite? I don't even know if I can say it. <laughs> is it is it okay for me to say <laughs> it? <laughs> it a dirty word now. <laughs> How do you feel about the term? Uh, I I like the term. Um, in English. <laughs> in English? In Spanish, I feel like I have I have heard it more as a slur. Emafrodita. Yeah, the English one too. Like sometimes my, my friends would joke and call me Hermes. Uh, <laughs> and, and not too. the Greek god. And not the Greek god too. <laughs> and they, yeah. We had a lot of difficulty finding intersex people for this episode. Mm -hmm. Even though the statistics show that it's kind of um, a higher amount of intersex people than someone might imagine. It depends on your definition and what you classify it, but mm. it's around like 2%. So it's a very sensitive topic for people just to openly be like, oh, hey, yeah, this is what I got going on downstairs. Yeah. Uh, but it's also just kind of the stigma that comes around of being an intersex person. I feel like the rates of like finding like a, 
like intersex people would be much higher if we really did studies on everybody exactly, you know, because I feel like I'll, like a lot of intersex people don't find out till later of life, if ever. So some people watching right now could be technically intersex, but yeah. be living a life where it doesn't affect them at all and they would never even know. Yeah. When did you find out? That you were intersex. It was sort of best practices again from the medical, from you know doctors uh, yeah. to to keep it a secret until I'm at an age where I can kind of comprehend what happened, which is 18. You know, because I'm going to go to, oh. I'm going off to college, and I'm you know probably going to have start having sex with boys. That never happened. <laughs> they were told that 18, 18 is the age to tell someone. Yeah, I started hormone replacement therapy at um, the age of 12. And is that um, when you knew you're like, oh, I'm I'm different, and I need to take this so I fit in? I knew I was different. My parents still didn't tell me why. It was it was still sort of shrouded in like you. you this is just a medicine that you need to take to keep to stay healthy, mm. um, and you don't really need to talk about it. I had a surgery at two, which is when my parents found out they did the karyotype. They learned about my XY chromosomes. I had that surgery that removed those gonad those internal. Um, gonadal streaks, what they call them. I had another surgery when I was 12. That one was for cosmetic um, reasons. I mean, we could go into it, but it's a little intense. Okay. Like to only as much as you're comfortable. Yeah. With. Yeah. Because it's so secretive and like it's shrouded in so much. You know, like don't talk about it. It's like we don't actually know the exact parameters of the surgery either. It's like hard to get your medical records and they might classify one thing as gonadal streaks when I, you know, they, they could be un fully undescended testes. It's just, they're not documenting it correctly. So you don't know exactly what was done? Not exactly, no. You don't know what was there and what's not anymore or no. anything. And so that's another one of those, that's another part of like the trauma surrounding being intersex is yeah. like the un so much unknown, you know, yeah. and not knowing that is like, you know, weird. It's like what was done to your body, you know, it's yeah. like it's it, and losing that autonomy. You don't remember the surgeries either? No, I was two and 12. I remember being in the hospital for the second one. You know, you listen to your parents, you yeah. especially I was the good kid, too. So I listen to my parents. You know, you this is what we're doing. You have to have this keeps you healthy. The norm for like people who are born noticeably intersex at birth um, the advice was like oh to save them from this social turmoil mm -hmm. let's reassign them to look either like male or female first one is just visually and it's just like well it, it's it's easier to like be like more female in this case mm -hmm. so it's like oh let's do that or like if you had like more of an opening that's like oh it's just a little close then mm -hmm. they do that close and that's non-consensual surgeries that are being performed on babies before they have any way to express how they feel and it's just so sad because like when you do surgery on an infant scar tissue does not stretch like normal skin. Uh, so as a child is growing, things are tearing, you uh, have continual surgeries. Like, you know, like if you were to like lean towards male too, like it starts ripping apart, very mm. painful. Let's say you chose, you know, for a female anatomy, then you have to um, dilate Mm. Um, to maintain the depth of the vagina. It's very traumatic for the kid as well. They, they don't yeah. know why that's happening too. And sometimes they're even told scarier things like, oh, we had to remove this because uh, you had like cancer or something. So it's just, it's like very sad. And then like once you're an adult, sometimes you do want to go through, through those surgeries too. But mm. like when you have like, when it was your choice to make too. Why do parents care so much about their child's genitals? Is it to prevent bullying or to make them fit so in, find partners? You could say, oh, it could prevent bullying, but ultimately like the damage that is done when, when you 
force a child to have these normalizing surgeries yeah. is far more detrimental than actually having the surgeries. What do you wish your parents would have known about intersex people before you were born? I wish they knew that they had more than one choice, that it wasn't so scary for them mm. to hear the options that they had and to have to make that choice. Prioritizing your child's health and happiness, I think is best done when you are making an informed decision. Um, and that's finding doctors who have experience um, with this kind of thing and, and, and educating yourself. There is a need to medicalize it in some ways, but we have to not pathologize it as a disorder in that like there's something wrong. Our bodies are different. It's a natural variation. There are intersex activists on the ground, you know, protesting at hospitals and, and trying to get them to change their practices mm. to not um, use surgery as the default. We're not saying that, it, that all surgeries are bad. It's just that when you have non-consensual normalizing surgeries on an infant child. It's not even getting a circumcision. Well, and uh, oh my gosh, we could let- It happens. Episode two. Episode two. You know. you know what I find really interesting is how this compares to the conversation with trans people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a kid might say, hey, you know, I'm 16, 17, 18. I want to get this surgery done to uh, you know, have my body look like how I feel it should. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of discussion about, oh, I don't know, I don't know, let's, you know, wait till you're older, even if you are 18, sometimes like wait till you're older. Mm -hmm. But yet, with intersex people, it seems almost the opposite, where it's like, well, this decision needs to be made, this decision needs to be made while you're still young because it needs to happen now so that it doesn't become a problem when you're older. Yeah, both the intersex issues and, and transgender issues are both enforcing a binary, right? Yeah. So. Doctors are the same surgeries that intersex people are fighting against, trans people are fighting for. In these anti-trans legislations, you know, you'll see an addendum often for intersex people that'll say, you know, in, in cases of intersex, you know, these normalizing surgeries can continue to happen. And also some intersex people identify with the trans experience. I knew from since I was small that I, I just, you know, as a boy. You know, in Spanish, we use like personal pronouns to each yeah. other. I always use like the male ones. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm this. And my mother would always correct me. I was like, no, you say this. When I labeled it, like when I thought I was trans, I was like, I was eight, you know? Mm -hmm. So then it wasn't until I was 18 mm -hmm. until I had to medically transition. But the whole reason that it took so long to like 18, if I knew like early in my teens, is that in, in Puerto Rico where I, where I grew up, um, all the doctors there would not like treat me for like hormone replacement therapy. They wanted to force me to go to uh, take estrogen. I grew up in a religious town, so I felt like from my community, like even like when I would go on down to town and like hold hands with my boyfriend, people would throw stuff at me. Very small town, but I can understand like where that comes from too, because it's like. Um, in religion, we have like certain like, you know, you have rules, you know, you have um, and sometimes those rules um, or your covenants and stuff mm -hmm. have to do with um, their, their gendered sometimes. But uh, when you have a person who doesn't fit into like, you don't know what category mm -hmm. they go to, it's kind of scary, <laughs> you know, yeah. to not know like, oh, like where you fit, even as a person who maybe like is religious, you're like, well, where do I fit in? So how did your parents react to 
all of this. I almost forgot to mention that today's episode is sponsored by Honey, the easy way to save when you're shopping on your iPhone or your computer. And of course, Honey is a free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and it applies the best one that it finds to your cart. So you no longer have to stare at that empty discount code box at checkout. Because if Honey finds a working coupon, a little Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupon. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, ranging from tech to popular fashion brands and my personal favorite, food delivery. So after recording this episode, for example, I'm gonna sit myself down and zen out to three crunchy tacos at a discounted rate. And the best part is that Honey doesn't just work on desktops, it also works on your iPhone. You just gotta activate it on Safari on your phone and you can save on the go. It's literally free and it installs in just a few seconds. So kind of ridiculous that you don't already have it, but it's literally free. So if you want to do yourself a solid and also support this series, get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Padilla. That's joinhoney.com slash Padilla. And you know, I can't go without thanking BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Therapy has personally helped me reframe my view of the world and myself by allowing me to feel empathy for my younger self and therefore understand who I am today better. But therapy can be customized to whatever's right for you and can be useful in helping with things like motivation or feelings of depression, anxiety, stress, insecurity, or whatever else you might need. And of course, BetterHelp screens all their therapists to ensure that they have experience and that they're certified and licensed and provides customized therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone or speak over the phone if that's not something that you're comfortable with. And I think one of the most difficult parts about beginning therapy is finding a therapist that you actually connect with which is why BetterHelp offers a more affordable alternative to in-person therapy where you can start communicating with your therapist in less than 48 hours. And that is why I want to thank BetterHelp who are giving I Spent a Day with viewers and listeners 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Padilla. That's betterhelp.com slash Padilla. Now, back to the world of intersex people. So how did your parents react to all of this? <laughs> um, well, I felt like I had to come out like four times. <laughs> Wait, what was the first time? Well, one was like when I thought I was just trans. <laughs> you okay. know? My dad was like, but you make such a pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. My mom, um, bless her. Now I've come to the point where I've forgiven her too. Uh, but at the time she said, I would rather die than have a freak for a daughter. Mm. Um, so yeah, so hard words too. The other that was like another like coming out to other people was like um, me being gay, mm. <laughs> um, which is like a lot of people, they confuse a lot of people because it's like, if you were like a girl, wouldn't it be easier if you like guys? <laughs> but I always explained it like who you are is not who you love. Mm. And then how people interact when like, um, I come out like as intersex to my family too. It's, oh, that makes sense why, <laughs> you know, all right. this. So I came out like gay, trans, intersex. I just wanted all the cool back. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I love coming out. I'm gonna yeah. keep coming out. <laughs> what was the fourth time you came out? Yeah. Yeah, the fourth one was because I wasn't always gay. I uh, I used to identify as uh, bisexual, uh, but funny enough, I feel like testosterone made me gay. What, testosterone yeah. made you gayer? Yeah, I think it did. <laughs> Once I started hormone replacement therapy, I'm like, I don't know. I, You're not into those women no, anymore. No, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's Confirmed, testosterone makes you gay. <laughs> Do you remember the first person that you told that you're intersex? When you start dating, you 
things will naturally come up about your body and then you kind of have to learn how to explain it then. So I think like the first time I was ever really nervous about it was, you know, telling a partner about it. That was kind of one of the first times I feel like I really educated myself on it. That you was, educated yourself in order to tell your partner? Yeah, I yeah had to kind of break it down for myself and, and was able to sort of tell this person what was going on. My first boyfriend, uh, I thought he was the queer. <laughs> I, I've learned not to make assumptions. <laughs> Just because you talk feminine doesn't make you gay. The no kids better. in my high school would highly disagree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. We were together like eight, almost nine years. Well, that's when I started looking like completely like more male. I felt that he got more uncomfortable with that. It was a time where he went into like the army and I feel like that kind of culture mm. there too. It's very like macho. Very and, straight. Very straight. <laughs> Unless you're in the Marines. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> don't cancel me. No shame, no shame. I get people who are like curious very fascinated and want to try it. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, just the closeted people that feel like intersex is the easiest bridge. So it's hard to sift out through that kind of like, you know, those people and find like genuine connections with somebody. There are bound to be many hundreds, if not thousands of people watching this that are intersex. Is there anything that you'd want to say to them? There's not a script for what a whole intersex person can be. And so that's, um, you know, that can feel isolating and I get that and I do feel alone sometimes. But if you kind of flip that, um, it can be incredibly freeing to know that you are not bound to the binary patriarchal ways that society kind of thrusts you in from the moment that you're born. One of the original intersex organizations that I got connected to and some of the first intersex people I met um, is Interact. If I said something that you want to dig a little deeper on, it'll all be on Interact. If you could say a message to your younger self when you were confused about what was going on with your body and your sexuality, do you think that you would have anything that you'd want to say? Love yourself first, because once you have that self-love, um, the rest kind of falls in place. You're going to lose people, but the people that you would gain are so much more genuine that it makes up for the loss, <laughs> you know? People don't even know, even though it is the I in LGBTQ, I yeah, yeah. Like, the I is for invisible to all oh, many. <laughs> so when you put like in the LGBTQ, oh, oh my God. Yeah, you messed up the acronym. The quilt bag. <laughs> that gets uh, most of the letters. Quilt bag? The quilt bag, yeah, the queer, like, you know, queer. undecided, intersex. Oh, oh shit. What's the G? The gay. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> quilt bag. That's a lot easier than LGBTQIA plus. Yeah, plus, yeah. yeah. Quilt bag plus. <laughs> mm.